For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. To get up and get going, South Coast, it's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang, it's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in the third and final hour of the program here on Friday. And uh, let's get into our weekly conversation with New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. And joining her today is Ward 6 Councilor Ryan Pereira. Good morning, Councilors. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing all right. And it's a, it's a good day today. Tomorrow it's going to be a little bit rainy. Uh, <laughs> another rainy Saturday, right? What, what else is new? Yeah, this has been a crazy stretch of weather, that's for sure. I mean, the last few days felt like July, and it didn't feel like that in July. Uh, are you concerned, Councillor Pereira, about there becoming a permanent, you know, canal between the, the south end and the rest of the city? Between the peninsula <laughs> yeah. and the rest of the city? We, we just got to hope that the uh, hurricane barrier does its job with all this rain, so we don't have... Uh, too much flooding. <laughs> we're we're, tr we're trying to get one bridge built on the other side of town. We're going to have to get another one built uh, over there if it keeps raining like this. Hopefully not. <laughs> well, they're speaking of you know having to to fund some things, um, Councilor uh, Council President Morad. When we talked about the budget going back to uh, the summertime and it was budget season and you had to you had to pass the budget. Of course, every year the council has the ability to make some cuts from the administration's budget. And as you talked to us about back then. Part of that process is you make those cuts, and then the administration you knew then was going to come back to you with a supplemental um, uh, supplemental budget to replace what was cut out of there. And now we're in that process of them trying to get that uh, that approved. Can you kind of give us a, a breakdown of what's been going on with that? Yeah, so, um, you know, I've been there a while, as you know, and I have never seen a supplemental budget be submitted. Uh, generally, the administration uh, recognizes that the council has the right to review and reduce the budget that is submitted every year. And generally, they live within that budget. Uh, this year, there was a large cut. Was, as you know, it was a little over $8 million. Bulk of it cut out of GGU, General Government Unclassified, uh, because my colleagues felt that, you know, we would make one cut and let the administration manage the deficit um, in the various departments. Uh, the administration is not comfortable with what the council did. I guess that's a nice way to put it and has been saying since 
the day after we cut the budget, uh, that they were going to submit a supplemental or a restoration budget. And uh, I have, we, I, Council, um, Council Prayer wasn't able to join us, but myself, uh, Councilors Markey, Giesta, Oliver, and Burgo uh, had an opportunity to talk with incoming CFO Bob Ekstrom regarding our concerns and issues. Uh, Council Pereira submitted his concerns back in a conference call uh, almost a month ago now. And now we're waiting to see, you know, we tried to provide to Bob what our feeling was about what amount we might be comfortable um, restoring. I think the council may be comfortable, and I'm speaking for me now, nobody else may be comfortable putting a little bit of money back um, for the trash contract that is much higher than what we had anticipated in the budget process. Uh, but um, I don't hear that there's a lot of appetite for anything else at this point in time. I, I didn't have an opportunity um, because of Rory's game yesterday to run down and grab my mayor's papers. Were you able to see those yesterday? No, I didn't have an opportunity to see those okay. yesterday. Uh, so, uh, and some uh, personal things I had to take care of. Uh, but mm -hmm. just on that, uh, on that budget issue, uh, in, in regards to the um, budget cut session, you know, I, I'm, we're only allowed to cut the budget once. We have ample opportunities to put money back as the mayor can submit them anytime between now and when the tax rate is set. So I look at it as even if we cut a little bit more than the budget can handle, and then we can put it back little by little as needed going into uh, December. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the administration. Um, so I'm not sure if it was submitted yesterday or not for next Thursday's meeting. I'm sorry, Tim. I, I didn't have a chance to run down and grab it. No, that's okay. So the, the issue is if you know if the what the administration is going to submit, and in my conversations with Bob Ekstrom and with the mayor, uh, you know they're leading me to believe they're going to submit the entire eight million dollars, and I don't believe that there is an appetite for that uh, from the council. I, I may be wrong, but you know Council Pereira can tell you what his feelings are as well. Sure, Councilor Pereira. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, I definitely want to listen to what the administration has to say um, and what the CFO uh, uh, has to say regarding this issue. But as far as uh, uh, trunking everything we, we cut out, I, I'm not in favor of that. I think, you know, if there were some issues, uh, there are some areas that if money needs to go back in, I can understand that. And at that point in time, we can add the money back in, you know, okay, uh, we're looking to run a $500,000 deficit in this department. We're going to need some money for there. Or we need to, a million and a half to fund the trash contract. Okay, I can understand that. But just to put $8 million back and say uh, we want the whole budget back, uh, it doesn't sit right with me. But I'm, I'm interested to hear what the administration has to say. And, and uh, I'm always open to listening to them. I just think that at this point in time, uh, it's a little premature just to put the whole amount of money back. Yeah, and I want to add to that, too. You know, Council Prairie has been here two years now. In both those years, there's been surplus in various departments at the end of the fiscal year that we have moved around to accommodate deficits that may have occurred in other departments or uh, additional spending requests that the administration is submitting to the council. Um, you know, I don't believe that with a $45 million increase in this year's budget, um, you know, that we need to 
add additional money into anybody's department. We know there's going to be, unfortunately, there's going to be a deficit in the police department. We're already three months into the fiscal year, and we're down so many officers, and we fully funded the police department this year. So it's not like we're not going to have that money available in order to be able to use. I mean, I wish we didn't, but we're going to be able to use it. And in the last couple of years, Last year specifically, we moved almost $4.5 million from one department to another. So, you know, we know that we have excess money in the budget that we'll be able to utilize should we have deficits in various departments. So, and, and just to, to reiterate, the, the process of this is they're going to submit this, suppose, uh, most likely for the entire $8 million, and you do have the ability to go through there and, and go through and see what, the same way that with the regular budget, you can make cuts to that proposed but amended budget. Yeah, supplemental budget. The, yeah, we could entertain the whole amount. We could reduce it, or we could, you know, um, not not approve any of it at this point. I I don't know what the will of my colleagues will be. I know that they are always willing, as Council Prairie just said, uh, to listen um, and see what the what the reasoning is for us to consider replacing money at this point in time. So, and if you reduce it, can the administration come back requesting another supplemental budget later on in the fiscal year? Um, not a supplemental budget, no. Once the tax rate is set, no, they won't be okay. able to do that. What they would have to do is uh, either utilize free cash that we could put back at the end of the fiscal year. Uh, you know, we always have free cash, thank God, allocations that we approve at the end of every fiscal year. So they could utilize that if there was an emergency or an overspending in a certain department. Or they could tighten the belt this year, uh, like many of the residents are doing in the city, and actually not, you know, increase the city's budget by the entire $45 million. And by the way, that $45 million includes utilization of $3 million of aqua funds that were put back for lost revenue. So it's really much larger than $45 million. And, and, this is going to be something that um, I think when people look at the way that, uh, you know, we hear the we hear the complaints. We hear from listeners who say, you know, the, the council and the administration can't see eye to eye. I mean, this is the kind of thing that happens in a government that has checks and balances. There'll always be a kind of back and forth over over money. But as, as you've said, Council President Morad, this isn't something that's usually been the standard practice. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, I mean, I think good government is a back and forth. I, I don't believe that anybody should just, you know, say, okay, the administration's, you know, numbers are absolutely right and we're going to do that. In my entire time on the council, there is only once that we actually approved a full budget that was submitted from the administration. We have never, we always look at what's being requested and either reduce it or, you know, have we always have a long conversation about it. So what's going on, the process that's been going on over the last several months is nothing new. It always happens. So I want to ask you both about something that went on this week. Uh, we reported it here on, on WBSM. There was that situation at Trip Towers where I, I guess someone had been, fum they had been fumigating and that led to a, a situation where they actually had a hazmat call and had to have people evacuated from the building. We've had conversations with callers, with people who are concerned about some of these these buildings where there's large amounts of people, something like this happening. And here we see the situation. I just wanted to get your thoughts uh, on that. Uh, Council President Morad. Um, so 
you know, I, let me defer for a minute to Councilor Pereira. This is sure. the board, and then I'll be happy to but add. True. Uh, I should have asked you yeah. first, Councilor. Yeah. My fault. Yep. No, 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 no worries at all. Uh, situations like this do arise, whether it's a large uh, uh, public housing building like Trip Towers or a small two family that's uh, uh, owner occupied. Situations arise. Uh, we, we've seen that o over uh, and over again in our city. Um, I can safely say that I was impressed with the response by the housing authority and by our emerg by our medical uh, emergency services in the city of New Bedford. Uh, the the folks in that building were systematically evacuated. Uh, found some sh uh, temporary shelter down at Fort Tabor. Uh, bus there. Um, I, I, I can say uh, Councillor Burgo was down there and. We, we were in constant contact, um, uh, uh, Councilor Burgo and I, and it seems like uh, he said that it was very well organized uh, for a large evacuation like that. So I have to say that when situations do arise, and, and they always will because that is the nature of, of the world we live in, when situations arise, having proper procedure and expert assisting is, is all we can ask for, and I think that was ex executed uh, on Wednesday in the city of New Bedford. Yeah, and I'll add to say um, I'm very thankful that Councilor Burgo was there, and he did keep us informed. He stayed on the scene. He went back to Trip Towers with the uh, folks as they were returned to the building. There were some concerns on the part of the residents, and, you know, this is what happens. You know, you learn from situations, but housing authority did do an excellent job in making sure that they took care of things. I know Steve Beauregard and his team were on scene as well. And excuse me, in addition to that, you know, as Councilor Burgo was updating myself, I was updating colleagues um, that weren't there, the rest of the council, so that they were aware in case people were calling and were concerned because you know how rumors build in situations like that so quickly. Yeah, and and it goes to show that you know the the folks who do respond and respond professionally, you know they they get the job done. My question always becomes, well, what what is the follow up on that? Where you have to figure out and investigate exactly what happened, what went wrong, and make sure that the company that was in there doing the pest control um, understands why things went wrong, so that they can avoid something like this happening again. Yeah, and I believe that the housing authority will do that. You know, and they'll work with our police and fire department. Um, and our emergency management department, I know they were all on scene. Chief Kruger was there as well. I mean, um, it was a very comprehensive response from the city of New Bedford and the Housing Authority together. And as I said, you know, we may learn some lessons from this, but as Councilor Pereira said, this is life. And, um, you know, we have several of these buildings in the city. And, you know, in my term, we had a very bad fire up here in the North End many years ago, and I felt the same thing, you know, the response from the emergency people was, was absolutely outstanding. So. I, I want to talk with you each a little bit about uh, Tuesday's preliminary election and the voter turnout for that. And, Councillor Pereira, I'll ask you because, you know, you, you were looking very calm and relaxed on, on New Bedford Cable <laughs> Access. Uh, you're not really in a contested race. In a non, you know, this is a non-campaigning question. But when, when talking to the citizens of your ward, did you find that they were still like excited to get out and vote, whether it be in the preliminary or in the general, knowing that there isn't a ward race in, in your ward, but are they getting out there and wanting to vote? Because 
it seems like there wasn't a lot of people coming out. I know that there's been some discussion here on the radio about, well, is 6% really a fair number when you're talking about 60? There's probably not really 65,000 registered voters in the city. So is it really a bad turnout? And in the end, it's like 4,000 votes total. Like, that's not a very good turnout for, for any election in the city. Yeah, it, you know, a voter turnout is very, very uh, uh, tricky thing to gauge, like you said. When you look at the straight percentage, uh, uh, 6% is at, at fair, like you pointed out, with, with such a large voter roll that probably isn't 100% accurate. But also, um, 4,000 people is not very many a, 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 as a total either. With that being said, you know, I, I think this was a, a, a success for early voting uh, in-person early voting and absentee ballots, from my understanding, when talking with the elections commissioner, it, it, it was a success in that regard. So now it's just the the uh, we we saw a huge increase in participation in those two areas. Um, Council President Moore, I can speak a little bit to uh, uh, the maneuvering that happened for Tabor Mills uh, and and how they were able to early vote inside their own uh, building, which I think was a huge success, and maybe more of that will will occur going forward. Um, but I will say that uh, on the day of, there's always a there's always a notion that that oh it's just a preliminary I don't need to vote I'll just vote when it counts. Well, this counts because if the person you wanted it, it, to go to go to the final didn't make the preliminary, uh, that was your fault because you didn't get out and vote. <laughs> so you definitely want to. Uh, um, the preliminary is always a tougher one to get voter turnout to. So I'm interested to see with the increased. Uh, uh, for the preliminary with the increased early voting and the increased absentee voting. I'm curious to see how that translates for our final election. And Council President uh, Ward, your, your thoughts on, on the on the voter turnout, really. I mean, and it's, it's, it's something that we talk about every single election and we try to say what else can be done. And I think Council Pereira is right. Early voting is the key here. The more that you can let people vote in that preliminary election, not on one particular Tuesday, the more likely they will be to engage with it. Yeah, you know, I was out and about on Tuesday. I know most of my colleagues were. Um, I had an opportunity to stop by the supermarket. You know how I love the supermarket. <laughs> and, and um, you know, I was talking to people in the supermarket. I was surprised to hear that, you know, people didn't know that it was, you know, primary day. And, you know, I don't know. Um Maybe the problem is that some towns have primaries in September. Some of them have in October. Maybe, you know, and they're advertised. And maybe people are confused. Uh, maybe, you know, we need to change so that everybody has primaries on the same day um, in the same month. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But it appears that as you look back on New Bedford's voting anyway, the primary has always been a very low turnout. Now, not as low as this year. I understand that. But mm -hmm. it's always been low. And I don't know why. And, um, you know, maybe there's something, maybe there's some kind of engagement we need to do with the general population to try to figure out, you know, why they don't vote on, on the primary. And I think Council Pereira may be right. He, you know, they figure, oh, it doesn't really matter. You know, I'll go on in November. I'm, I'm just not sure. And, of course, there's a lot going on in the country now. We've seen all our surrounding towns all have less voter turnout, both for the primary and the general elections. You know, people people are disgusted with government in general. Um, it's too bad. Yeah, if you look at what's going on in the national scene, as we're trying to say to people, hey, get out and vote in the, pr in the primary election. Yeah. But really, I mean, it, it shows that 
you can kind of compare and contrast and say you can't do anything about what's going on on the national level right now because it's not that election. But what you can do is you can take care of things here at home and focus on on what's going on local. And the, the most important thing to some people is even though it's just a preliminary primary election, you still get a sticker. So <laughs> it's worth going for the social media aspect of that. I definitely got mine. <laughs> so just in the final few moments that we have, uh, Council President Morad, what's coming up on the council agenda this week? I, I can't tell you. I don't know because I couldn't get to City Hall to pick up my well, papers. I, I, yeah. I should say, I should say, not the literal agenda. I just mean oh, like what, what are in the plans for the council? Okay, so we have affordable housing hearing that unfortunately a couple of weeks ago we had to cancel because several of us were in the traffic commission meeting. And, um, you know, we, we had a meeting scheduled. Council Burgo had a meeting scheduled. So we have that coming up. And um, hopefully, and we do know that several of the people that were with us at the meeting we have to cancel are coming back to provide testimony. So we're looking forward to that session as well. And then, as I mentioned, we have um, the city council meeting. But before the city council meeting, there will be a, a brief city property meeting. Uh, the owners that are developing the former National Club are looking for a uh, lease from the city so that they can be able to utilize some of the city property surrounding that, um, the National Club, as they build out the restaurant and that facility for housing for their, uh, for their business. So we'll have that in front of us at 6.15 on Thursday. And uh, I don't know that there's a lot of controversy about that. It makes sense to do that. Uh, area that they are looking for has never been used by the city. And I believe, Council Perra, I think we already asked the city departments if they needed that building, uh, that space rather, for anything citywide. So that should move quite uh, quickly. We'll provide uh, the opportunity for the marketing, uh, for the purchasing department to put out the RFP. And I doubt there will be anybody other than the new owners of the National Club that will submit a request for proposal for that parcel. And tomorrow is a New Bedford Oktoberfest. Will either of you be there, and will you be wearing lederhosen? <laughs> no, definitely no lederhosen, but if Council President Morad uh, wears them, I'll wear them too. Uh, <laughs> oh, the but, challenge uh, has been laid down. <laughs> yeah, the challenge, challenge has been laid down. I don't even yeah. know where we could buy a lederhosen. But. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that they're not going to have the best weather, but... Uh, they, the last couple of years, they've had issues with weather, but people seem to flock to that event, and they have no concern about the weather. So I'm sure they'll have a great crowd, and uh, it's a good event for a good cause. And uh, I'm not sure that I'll make that tomorrow. I'm, it's on my calendar. We'll see what happens during the day. Will you be there, Tim? Uh, I'm going to try to make it over, yeah. I'm, uh, I've I'm finally got a Saturday where I don't have anything planned, so I'm going to try to get over there. And I, know, I too, will not be wearing lederhosen. <laughs> oh, Tim, that's disappointing. My my friend, my friend Jeff actually owns Lederhosen, though that he wears when he does his Oktoberfest party. And I've looked at him and seen him in that, and I say, never will I do that. So, <laughs> having seen it up close and in person, I don't think it would work on me. Okay, Too much. Right, all right. That, that you wear from time to time would that qualify <laughs> no I, I i don't think my fur hat uh uh it might be maybe it gets, it gets cold in northern germany so <laughs> <laughs> there you go he, he's more of a bavarian kind of guy i guess exactly. All right. exactly well thank you both for joining me i hope that you have a great weekend and, and council president morad we will talk to you next week with councilor burgo yep and we'll be able to give you an update um about the hearing that he's holding this week and uh, as I said, we're looking forward to 
please, if you if you have concerns, listeners, about housing in the city, which everybody does, come. We're looking for your experiences and for your suggestions. It's a Tuesday night at 7 o'clock in the council chamber. All right. Thank you both. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. That is uh, New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Ward 6 Councilor Ryan Pereira. Right now, it is time to go into the newsroom and get all the headlines of the day with Ariel Dorsey. Former President Donald Trump is endorsing Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan as the next Speaker of the House. In an overnight social media post, Trump said Jordan has his complete and total endorsement to replace former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who was voted out earlier this week. The Biden administration is waiving federal laws to allow border wall construction in Texas. In a policy reversal, the, the Department of Homeland Security announced the administration is waiving 26 federal laws for wall construction in South Texas due to what it calls high illegal entry. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain will make an announcement on Facebook Live today at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be regarding a possible expansion of the union strike against the big three automakers. Imprisoned Iranian human rights activist Nargis Mohammadi is the winner of the 2023 Nobel Peace Prize. The committee announced this morning Mohammadi is being recognized for her fight against the oppression of women in Iran and her fight to promote human rights and freedom for all. She is currently behind bars. Prosecutors in Wisconsin say an armed man was arrested at the state capitol Wednesday and came back with a rifle later that night after being freed from jail. Capitol Police say Joshua Plesnick was arrested Wednesday afternoon after he showed up at the governor's office wearing a holster with a pistol. Police say he was released from jail and returned later that night with a rifle. A group looking to end affirmative action in college admissions is now suing the U.S. Naval Academy. Students for fair admissions filed suit on Thursday after filing a similar lawsuit earlier this year against the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Prosecutors in Wisconsin say an armed man was arrested at the state capitol Wednesday and came back with a rifle later that night after being freed from jail. Capitol Police Say Joshua Plesnick was arrested Wednesday afternoon after he showed up at the governor's office wearing a holster with a pistol. Police say he was released from jail and returned later that night with a rifle. Chicago Bears legend and NFL Hall of Famer Dick Butkus has died at the age of 80. The linebacker spent his entire career with the Bears after being drafted in 1965, being named All-Pro five times and making eight Pro Bowls. In more sports, the Patriots host the Saints on Sunday. The Bruins ended their preseason slate on a high note. Boston topped the New York Rangers 3-1 at Madison Square Garden. Boston ends the preseason 2-2 and will begin the regular season on Wednesday when it hosts the Chicago Blackhawks at TD Garden. The NBA preseason is underway. Boston begins its exhibition schedule Sunday night when it plays host to the Philadelphia 76ers at TD Garden. Now let's take a look at your local forecast. It's cloudy this morning, then partly sunny with a slight chance of showers this afternoon. Patchy fog this morning and highs around 70. Tonight will be cloudy with a 30% chance of showers. Patchy fog after midnight and lows around 60.
I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. King Richard's Fair might be a washout again, but they might not be operating at all. It depends on what happens in this meeting that's going on right now. We're trying to get an update on that, but not finding anything online. Doesn't seem like anybody's there covering it. Not seeing any tweets. Uh, Carver's um, cable access doesn't seem to be covering it live, but we will try to get you that information as quickly as we can. Stay tuned to WBSM.com and the WBSM app throughout the course of the day. Uh, let's go back to the phones. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are on WBSM. Good morning, Kim. Gilly Sapphires. Good morning, Gilly. How are you? Now, you want to hear the rest of the story about Trip Towers? Uh, what's the rest of the story? Okay, the rest of the story is I was really surprised to see only one city councilor there, and that's Mr. Burgo. Okay, I was there from like 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock when they first started. That's the only... Now, I hear Linda when she... Now, you all know that I got arrested down there. Okay. Now, Linda talks about, you know, the people and everything. Why is Mr. Berger the only city councilor that showed up? Okay. That's why he overjumped the three longest city councilors on the panel. Brian Gomes, almost 30 years. Linda Morad, about 20. Naomi Connie, 10. And there's a first-time city councilor. Because he does his job like he's supposed to. He was worried about the people. Where was Brian Pereira? That's his ward. Where was Brian Gomes? Public safety. To go down there and worry about the people. They're over there talking. But they had no problem when I got arrested that Friday. Being up there because it was meet and greet. And Linda called for that meeting. Don't you think they should have went down there? They're over there talking about. No wonder they ended up over below Mr. Burgo. He's the only one that showed up. Don't you find that? And every time you ask her a question, oh, I didn't have a chance to go down and see you home and get my papers. But when she wants to nail somebody, she's got all the facts in front of her. Well, hey, sometimes people have other things going on in their lives, too. As she was explaining, uh, Councilor Burgo was there keeping all the other councillors abreast of the situation so that they were able to answer any constituent questions. Uh, you can't expect somebody to be everywhere at all times. Oh, but I do expect Brian Gomes as a, as a public safety to be there because he brags about it. He goes to all the things. I mean, Providence sent a truck there, a canteen truck, with all the firemen that were there. I mean, do they do the councilors show up at every fire that happens around the city? So you're getting a defense. You, you find a defense for them. 
No, you I'm I'm just trying to be rational about it. I don't I don't. I, you're you just want to accuse them of not showing up because you have a vendetta against them. Oh, I got a vendetta. They don't have a vendetta against me, right? But that, that, that doesn't matter. The problem is you, you're trying to put an un, you know a, an expectation on them that doesn't apply across the board. So that that's an unfair expectation. <laughs> People in trip towers, is that what you're telling me? It was fumigation for pest control. It wasn't it wasn't like somebody had brought anthrax into the building and they had to come down there and you know stand outside and have a press conference. Tim, Tim they didn't let the people out from the fourth floor up. They were shot into their room with all that fumes going up there. Okay? Uh, it, they they not... like four floors. Okay, don't you think a public safety person and where were the people that belong? I can't believe that you're going to take their sides. And like I said, I'm not taking anybody's side. I'm just trying. I'm just talking out the facts of what went on. I'm telling. I was there. Tim. I was there for five hours, right by the door, right by the, the driveway. I can tell you anything. You ask me a question, I'll give you an answer. See, I got the proof. They don't have nothing except a lot of you know what. Linda Morris is just, she's not giving you all the facts. You're trying to tell me, okay, forget about the, forget about Linda Morris. Ryan Pereira, that's his ward. Okay, shouldn't he have been there? Why should he be doing the phone? Virgo is a counselor at large. He went down there. Brian Goon just puppy safety. He's supposed to be worried about the people I work, but they had no Ryan Pereira, so, Ryan Goon. So your, your qualification for being a city councilor is you have to just sit at home all the time waiting for something to happen so that you can run down there and be there for it. Well, somebody's got to keep their feet to the fire. Because okay. that's something we've all even needs to strive is for good men and women to remain silent. And I'm not going to remain silent. Let right. them do their job. Noted. Thank you for the call. Bye. All right, let's uh, go to some other callers here. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. What's shaking, playboy? Hey, Lamone. I, I got limited time today because I got loaded calls. What's I on your mind? I see. Uh, I was just saying a, a couple of things. Hello, Ariel. Um, I, all right, my uh, my back back in the early '90s, my uh, I took my daughter's room to go see uh, Billy 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 Idol. He was over at somebody's house. He was practicing stuff. He said, "Hey, you, hey, girls, you know your dad?" And he said, "I sing a song about your dad. You know that song, Money, Money." Yeah, you see, you start singing. Oh, all I get it. Yeah, wow, yeah. Lamone. All right, I see. Yeah, feel so right. I felt so good. And it was like, and they were like, oh, they were singing that song at, at school and everything like that. And my other baby's mother got was all upset. Quit singing about him. You know, I don't stop singing. You know, that was back in the days. And so, uh, what happened to Cece? Cece. Yes. Which Cece? The the the, 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 uh, the weather girl. Oh, uh, Skyler, Skyler Spindler. No, Skyler. Oh, oh, was, oh, Sessie. Yeah, Sessie so Del Carmen. Skyler. I think she was just filling in. Yeah, there's oh, the, so so something's happened with Skyler. She put on social media that she had a, a a medical situation that came up, and that she'll be back soon. So they've been kind of just grabbing people that they could to to fill in with what was going on. So I think Sessie was just kind of filling in, and now they're trying to find some other folks. But I thought Skyler was double Skyler. I told you I met here and came to Vegas. Was that when she got sick? Because it was perfect timing. You I, know what I'm I mean? not sure. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I just saw her post uh, the other day. I'm going to just hold you there, Lamone, because I got to take some other calls here, and I got limited time, and I still got two breaks to take. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. I just like to say that maybe some of the counselors have to work for a living to pay their taxes. Just I mean, like it's, the rest of us. It's not a full time job, and 
you know, there's other things that go on. There's meetings that happen. They could be on the other side of the city in the middle of something. And, yeah. you know, it, I, I just, I don't, I don't, uh, yes, if they can be there, they should be there. But I don't expect that they can be everywhere all at once. I know that some of them have jobs. They work for a living to pay their taxes, mm-hmm. just like the rest of us. Sure. So all right. that, that's all I have to say. Well, thank, thank you, you for the call. And uh, I do have to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, we will take some more of your calls, 508-996-0500. But I've got to take this one. I don't want to miss any breaks because then I'll get in trouble. We'll be right back. And welcome back in. Let's go right back to the phones, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. How you doing? I just wanted to comment that most of the city councilors have another job and were possibly working at the time. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's family time, and I'm sure that they have... Um, special arrangements with their family to say, I know I'm out this night, this night, this night, this night, and this night, so on this night we can all sit down and have family dinner. That is right, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I get what Gilly's saying, but at the same time, I also don't have that expectation that, that they should be responding to everything, especially if you're calling them. You know, you're, if you're on the phone with Councilor Burgo and Councilor Burgo is saying, I'm down here on the scene, it seems like it's just, you know, because uh, I, I don't mean to belittle the situation, but fumigation for pest control is really not that big of a deal. You, yes, you right. want to get people out of there, but like nobody's life was in danger as a result of it. You just might feel a little queasy. That's right, yeah. So, And I, I commend uh, Shane Burgo for his total commitment. Absolutely. Yeah. On, you know, right on top of it. All Thank right. you, Jim. Thank Have you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You as well. So again, I, I'm not trying to belittle what happened. And, and of course, the response that happened was, was fantastic. That's what you want to see happen. But it's not like this... It, it's not like the building was on fire. I'm sure if it was a more serious situation, you would have had more of the counselors showing up, dropping what they were doing to get down there. But if you have Council Bur- Councilor Burgo down there representing the council, able to gather that information and provide that to the other counselors through their communications, I, I just don't see why they would need to be there. Maybe Maybe that's why I'll never be a public servant because... I don't think that I could be available all the time for everything that comes up that people would expect me to be there for. I don't even like being there for the things I have to be there for sometimes. So I don't know. I, I, I understand Gilly's point. I do. I just, I also think that in some cases it's an unreasonable expectation. It's not always going to be the case that you can just drop what you're doing and run out and be there for something like that. But they stayed in communication. They knew what was going on. They had the facts to be able to provide. You know, they don't show up at every shooting, every shots fired incident. They don't show up at every fire. And certainly, you know, Gilly's passionate about trip towers. So, you know, that that matters to him. But I just feel like it it didn't have to be every counselor needs to come down and show up at. I know we we call it a hazmat situation, but it was a little too much bug spray. That's really what it was. Again, not belittling it, just trying to put it in perspective. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. How can you say that that was not an emergency to the elderly people down there? Of course, of course it's an emergency, but it's not oh, okay, it's not yeah, a life me, or death let situation. Me you, let me stick you in a room with cockroach spray, dude, and see how long you last. <sighs> Did I say Seriously. that it wasn't a serious situation? 
oh, it's a serious situation, but it's not a big deal, dude. You know what I mean? Like, Do you, you need to have every city councilor show up at that situation? I'm not saying that, dude. I'm saying that you say that it's not a big deal. Who are you? No, you, you, you didn't listen deal. to anything that I said. You just wanted to call in no, and attack no, me no, instead. Because no. you're a jerk, bro. That's why. You're right. a fucking asshole. You know what? I'm going to mark down your number. You're done calling. Also, stop inhaling bug spray before you call the show. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Reverend. How you doing? I got about a minute before I got to take a break. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't agree with you about those city council. When they took that job, they knew they should be there. So you're giving them the green light to just not show up now whenever they feel like it. I'm sorry, where in the job description does it say that you're required to show up at every emergency in the city? Is it in the job? Is it in there? It's not, no. It doesn't have to be. If you're going to take that job, which is so important and you need to be there, you go there. It's more important than somebody's birthday party or whatever bingo night you're going to or whatever it is. They, they took that So job. then you know what? Give them a full-time salary. You don't want to do that, though, right? You want to complain when they give themselves a $4,000 pay raise. all out before they got hired? Am I going to be paid if I don't show up? Did Make it a full-time job, and then you can expect full-time response from them. Have a good day, Reverend. All right. Take it easy. Great hearing from you. All right. I got to take my final break. We'll be back in a few moments. <laughs> All right. Welcome back in. I was getting uh, Eric on the line from the butcher shop. He joins us now. Good morning, sir. How are you? I know you guys are busy over there this morning, huh? Yeah, a little bit, man. What's going on, brother? That's all right. We wanted people coming down and getting all that great food you had over there. <laughs> I can only pray. What are, you, uh, what are you serving up today? What are you cooking up? What are you carving up? What do we got? Today I got prime rib. I got, I got nice fillets today. I got the tourism. You know the bacon bits everybody loves? Oh, I got that. I got fried chicken. I got potatoes. I got everything. I got lobsters on special today, nine ninety nine a pound. Nice. I got, I got a nice fresh batch of uh, tomahawk steaks coming in. That's got a good price on it, two sixteen ninety nine a pound. For what it is, it's good stuff, man. It's good prices, you know. So what, what's what's the size of the average tomahawk steak? Uh tomahawk is big. It's a big steak, man. They're like three and a half pounds, I'd say, three and a half to four. So you're feed, you're feeding the family off one of those things. Uh, you can, you know, if you're a big eater, two guys, two, you know, if you eat big, you know what I'm saying? But if it's a family and it's, you know, average eaters, you could feed three people off of one of them. There you go. What, do you, what are you having this weekend? Oh, this weekend, dude, I don't know what I'm going to have, man. Those I lobsters might even have good. burgers. Who knows? I like burgers. Probably have a good hamburger tonight. Yeah, that's a nice, easy, quick, satisfying. I'm in the mood for one. Yeah. Ketchup, mustard, cheese, relish, all that stuff. And what are you cooking up for lunch for anybody that wants to stop in and grab something already made? Uh, Casola, dude. Everybody loves Casola. Casola's mm -hmm. quick. It's staple food. It's nice. Everybody likes that stuff, bro. Oh, I love it. You have some of the best Casola around there. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. That's cool. And uh, some rice pudding for dessert if I, if I come in and grab some uh, Casola? Mom is making rice pudding yeah. right now, too. Another there we batch. go. All right, Eric. Well, thank you for joining us and keeping us up to date with everything going over there. The Butcher Shop, 123 Dartmouth Street in New Bedford. Everything from steak to soccer balls, right? You got it, brother. I got a lot of balls. <laughs> All right. You, you. <laughs> you have a great weekend. Later, dude. Bye. All right. That is uh, Eric over at the butcher shop. Uh, all kinds of great stuff over there. I just want to say uh, that Counselor Gomes called in, Counselor Brian Gomes called in uh, during the commercial break. And because I had uh, planned with Eric to call him back, I had called him earlier and he was busy. So I, I asked Counselor Gomes to, you know, if he wants to 
speak in the next show on South Coast Now. He said if they want to have him come on, he will. But I want to just pass on the message that he gave me, and that is that he says that Councillor Burgo did a great job of keeping the councillors apprised of everything that was going on. They knew everything that was happening. They were able to answer any questions that constituents had for them. They were able to be there for the folks, even if they couldn't be there for the folks because of the great communication that they have. So... Again, I'm not trying to belittle what happened. I'm just saying, you know, if something happened, if there's if there's a shoot, uh, I shouldn't say a shooting because I don't want to wish that anybody gets struck by a bullet. But if there's a shots fired incident, you know, nobody's expecting every counselor to show up. If there's a if there's a fire that goes on, nobody's expecting the counselors to show up to every fire. And I just feel like it becomes a little bit more emotional when we're talking about the elderly folks that live there and. Of course, Gilly, especially with Trip Towers, he's emotional about that as well. And I'm just trying to put it into perspective. That's all. Thank God everybody was okay. Thank God it wasn't a serious situation. It was handled perfectly so that if it was something more serious, they would have been able to save lives, but nobody's lives were in danger. Uh, if they were, they would have evacuated the, the building before they started spraying any of the chemical. So I think that uh, I trust the people that are doing what they're doing. I know. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.